Today's reading is Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. It can be found on page 952 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, was from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, quote, though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. The word of the Lord. God of grace, we pray that you open our hearts to be able to receive it and to receive you and your love this morning. Whether we come from a place of uh, a lifetime of belief, a lifetime of pursuing you, or whether we come uh, rather new to this whole concept, or, or maybe we come with a lot of questions or a lot of struggles this morning, whatever the place may be, as we transition this week from one year to the next. We pray that you would uh, make this be a moment in this day when we connect with you and your grace because your spirit is here opening our hearts to you. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you're into growing stuff in your yard and you have a garden in the summer or winter, you can do a soil testing kit and um, you can get them at all kinds of shops, and, and you can, you know, I think they test for three or four different kinds of uh, kind of life signs in your soil. I know there's the acidity one, and there's the phosphorus one, and there's the nitrogen one. I think there's another one. And you put a little soil in a tube, you put in some chemical, some little pill capsule, and you dump that powder in there, and then you put water in, you shake it, and you look at it, and you find out, with some of them, you find out what color it turns into, and then you know 
oh, my soil's very acidic, that's why I'm having problems year to year. Or, oh, there's like no nitrogen, so stuff just isn't getting leafy and growing. So we, can, we actually have very fine-tuned scientific knowledge of the condition of soils. And um, we can do this kind of evaluation and test and, and checking in. And in a sense, that's what Jesus is inviting us to do with this parable. And, um, and he's using that exact kind of analogy of soil. It's the idea that um, in your life, it's a very healthy thing to regularly kind of do a check and evaluation and just put some kind of grid over your life. I don't even think it matters so much what the analogy or what the grid is. But there's just a lot of health in stopping and having some way of checking and just analyzing the condition of your heart. Where am I? How am I doing? Where, what are the life signs? You know, if I put my life in a little tube and shook it up, what color would it be? Um, that's just a very silly thing I just thought of. Um, but but I, I love this, and I love how um, it's actually, when you really look carefully at this parable, it's a little bit um, different than what you enter into it naturally with, because the counterintuitive premise is that not your life is the plant. We kind of naturally think, oh, it's saying that, you know, how fruitful is my life? How big of a plant is my life? No, it's saying you are the soil. You're the soil. So we're talking about what does the soil do towards growth? The soil is a place that's either receptive and, and healthy with its receptivity as it receives a seed, or it's not. What's interesting about that in terms of gro- I think it's good because it allows us to enter into a, an evaluation in a way that's about grace because it's really hard to look at your life and, and evaluate it and still be in the mode of grace because what this analogy does is it says if a big spiritual plant grows up and is fruitful in your life, it's not you. It's not the, your work in that plant. Your work is not the plant. I mean, the seed just, seeds just do that. God ju- does that. God makes the seed and puts it there, and it's just going to grow as long as the conditions are right. So then it puts the evaluation points in the area of, okay, it's not am I working hard enough to grow this plant. It's am I, am I just receptive? Am I, what's a condition of my spiritual soil, my heart? Is it receptive or not? So we're talking about today, how do you eva- evaluate yourself if you believe in grace, well, you, you basically evaluate, well, grace is a gift. So it's about receiving that gift. You evaluate your receptivity. So we got these four categories. Let's just run through them kind of quickly. We've got the path, the rock, the thorns, and the good soil. So first of all, the path. Jesus talks about the path. And the path, what, well, the condition, the things that, were, that are noted with the path are that um, things get trampled on, the, the seed which is talked about as the word of God. And that's a very, that doesn't just mean scripture or literal words. In scripture, the word of God is kind of this big concept of um, God connecting with you. So Jesus is talked about as the word of God. So the seed is sort of God reaching into your life. And with the path, that gets trampled and it gets snatched away by birds. All right, so that's what, that's, with the path, that basically means that, um, as it's described, that, that faith never really takes root. God's grace in your life never really takes root if you're 
condition is like the path. I think in some ways, one of the, one of the um, ways to go wrong with this analogy is to get kind of terrified about the idea of the devil snatching away the seed before it can take root. And so you, so you sort of get in this mode of like, um, boy, you know, this is describing someone who's just going along and saying, okay, God, I'm ready to hear what you have to tell me. And all of a sudden God brings this hugely important message for your life and you're ready for it and it gets snatched away and then the rest of your life is like, oh man, now I'm screwed, right? Because that message got snatched. I was ready for it. And it's, of course, not at all talking about that. It's talking about a lifetime of non-receptivity, someone being unreceptive. It's talking about... It's not someone who's sitting around trying their best and just that one important time it was snatched away and there's no hope. It's a lifetime of in one ear and out the other. Nothing gets through to you. If you're the path... um, In fact, if you're at all concerned this morning that you might be the path, then you're not the path. (laughs) You're not that description because you already care too much. You know, you're already not cynical enough. The path is not, oh, I'm concerned or afraid that the devil might snatch God's word out of my life. If you're the path, then you're too cool and sophisticated, and you kind of laugh at the idea that there's these scary little devils going around, um, you know, eager to somehow invade my spiritual life. So the person who's in the path is someone whose lifetime contains time after time of God lavishly scattering his grace you know, making these gracious advances into your life only for it to consistently bounce off of your heart. That's the path. And so the big question is, how has my cynicism or my hard-heartedness guaranteed that I'm missing out on the experience of God's grace? I actually, in my experience at City Life Church, I can't say that that the path fits hardly anyone that I've ever talked to or met that is a, like attending City Life Church worship services. Because there's, like I said, there's a little bit of that. You already care too much. You already are kind of opening yourself up to God too much. There may be some path that each of us have in us. We need to kind of evaluate the cynicism level and see how that's blocking us from receiving God's grace. It might also just help you understand someone in your life who you love who, is, who you say, like, I am spiritually speaking on such a different page from them, and how do, I, how do I grapple with that? There might be just a hardened kind of path life that they've had, and it's, it's maybe good to dig under the surface and lovingly get to know what has led them to that unreceptive place. Um, so, okay, the path. What about the rock? That's the next one that Jesus talks about, the rock. So there's the seed, the stone amidst the rocks. <clears throat> What's going on with that? the rock Um, Jesus says some fell on the rock and when it came up the plants withered because they had no moisture the issue is that when as Jesus describes when struggle and trial and challenge comes or testing comes the plant or the spiritual life kind of falls away and withers Um, it's an issue of moisture Jesus said, I am the living water. And he said to this woman at the well, come and drink of me and you'll never thirst. You won't have to keep coming back to the, you know, 
to get some new water. I'll satisfy you forever. I'll be the only water you need, spiritually speaking. Psalm chapter 1 talks about kind of the, the good way and the bad way to live. And the, the good way is this, this, it's described like a tree transplanted by streams of water whose leaf does not wither. In life, and maybe you see this, saw this in 2013, maybe you're going to see it in 2014, things come at you and it's, it's like heat. Challenges of life, unexpected struggles, um, trials or tests, you might say, if you put it in spiritual language. And they, they beat down on your life like heat. And, and you can wither under that heat if you're not connected to a water source. That's what this is talking about. Things might seem well, they're going okay. But what happens when you go through challenges and difficulties in life, a lot of times your connectedness to the living water is is revealed for what it is. So I think that the challenge of considering the rock and considering, okay, is that my spiritual condition? It's, the, it's asking yourself the question of what, to what degree are there practices in my life with any regularity where I'm developing a connection to the living water of Jesus? There might be intellectual assent. Yeah, I believe this. Um, there might be coming to church with some regularity. Okay, but beyond that, is there any regularity of connectedness to the living water, to the grace of God? That actually takes some work. It's, it's an interesting kind of um, mix of work. It's kind of like if you just prioritize, and maybe this is like a resolution thing. You're going into a new year, and you look back and you go, this, year, I, this past year I did like nothing to have a regularity of connecting with God or his word or Jesus. I'd like to do in the new year. And it's this thing where once you prioritize and you kind of carve out a little bit, that's the hardest part because God does the rest of the work in those times of connecting or in those practices of connecting. That's where, you know, Jesus said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Once you open yourself up to God, it becomes easy. God is there. God's grace is there to meet you every day. God does all the real important work in your life if you open your life up to him. That ta- but that does take a little bit of work to carve that out. Okay, so we got the path. We've got the rock. We've got the thorns. Now, the thorns are described as the place where the seed drops. And when it falls among the thorns, it says, Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And Jesus describes this with, um, so basically you have the idea of there's enemy plants and they're choking things out. And Jesus says that spiritually speaking, your life is choked. And he lists three things by worries, riches, and pleasures. Worries, life's worries, riches, and pleasures. I can't think of a better time to evaluate our life on those those kinds of things then, right, between Christmas and New Year's, you know, in between the, the excess of consumerism and all the worries and things of Christmas and the finances of Christmas, and then the pleasures of New Year's, right? That's a time to party. That's a time to just cut loose. Life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And we spend a disproportionate amount of time on certain things and that's what I think looking at the thorns and placing that grid over your life, that's, that's what you realize. 
you find things in your life that fit those categories, worries, riches, pleasures, and you realize there's something or things that um, have a disproportionate amount of space mentally, financially, or in terms of energy and time. What has a disproportionate amount of space in your life? I think sometimes of my hobby of being interested in um, basketball and in the NBA and following things and how I'll let a lot of my time go to that, my kind of, if there is such a thing as free time, it goes towards that. And I don't really want to stop and think about the implications of that on my spiritual life. And a lot of people would say, oh, you need that, that's good, you know, that's a good, that's downtime, that's this, that's that, you need that, there's nothing wrong with that. But in some ways, what I need most is someone to say what Jesus is saying here towards whatever that is in my life. That's, have you ever thought about that might be choking you? Have you thought about the way you use that extra time or that thing in your life that everything's going to or those worries that are taking up all that mental space? Have you thought about how that, you might be in trouble. And it might have a big, it might have the big reason behind that trouble might be because of that disproportionate amount of yourself that's going over there. Um, I have fun with my children because Minecraft is this wonderful game that they, that they play. I don't know if you've heard of Minecraft. And when my children were studying the human brain in school, and there's the mammalian part of your brain, and there's the new mammalian, there's the reptilian, and I said, I think you guys have evolved a new part of your brain called the Minecraftian part of your brain. Because, you know, you're spending all this time talking about it and playing it, and, and we have fun talking about the Mi- Minecraftian brain being at work. You know, this disproportionate amount of time going, look at yourself and say, what has a disproportionate hold on my heart? And now you're in the realm of, of evaluating and looking at those things Jesus mentioned. Worries, riches, pleasures. Okay, and then we come into the good soil. The good soil, which Jesus describes. So we've had the path, the rock, the thorns. And then there's the good soil. So the seed fell in the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Um, This is talking about like the most thoroughly receptive heart that retains the word of God and produces a crop. Where I grew up in the Central Valley, there's a lot of farmers. And I can still talk to them around um, midsummer and ask them, how is the harvest looking like it's going to be? You know, the almonds are all on the trees. And you can kind of, and they, they're very scientific about their understanding of what the harvest looks like it's going to be like, because that's where, you know, that's, that's a big deal in terms of the finances for that whole region. And so they can say like, well, it's like, it's like a 120% of normal in terms of the the amount of almonds that are on a tree. But they're like, there, there was a certain moisture issue, and so they're smaller. So the weight of the almonds is going to be down. And so it's going to average out to be, you know, kind of a normal good year. They can, they're, they're very scientific about this. And we're told um, by people who, who study these kinds of things that people in Jesus' day, in terms of the scattering of wheat and grain seed, that they would have known that a 30... A 30 times, like if it, if it produces 30-fold, Jesus says 100-fold, but if it produces 30-fold, that's good. If it's 60, that's really good. And 100 is stretching the limits of what's possible. It's not beyond it. It's just the maximum 
um, kind of enviable crop that you could possibly have. And that's our analogy for what's um, the good soil of what your life could be like if you were in maximum receptivity to God's grace. I wonder if you look back at 2013, how does your life compare to that description that you have this enviable fruitfulness coming out of your spiritual life? It's maximum capacity, enviable fruitfulness. Look back at 2013 and think about that. And what you have then basically is you have, okay, none of us are supposed to measure up to the good soil. We're not supposed to say, well, I wasn't the path, I wasn't the rock, I wasn't the thorns, but good soil, that was me. I walk away from this one pretty good. Thank you, Jesus, for that parable. None of us, in, in a sense, the good soil is, is the last and final one. Like, if, okay, if you didn't resonate with the path, if you didn't resonate with the thorns and the rock, um, how about we just give you this positive example and you can kind of get a sense of, not that you feel terrible about yourself, but that you realize how much you long to be more like that. And you'd say, that's, that's where we're going. What might I do now, moving into 2014, what might I do that my life might move into that kind of fruitfulness? How might I open myself up even more to God and his grace so that it can look more like that? In a sense, this is a, it's a parable. You could look at it as depressing. This is a parable where you're supposed to feel like you fall short in one way or another, whether it's the negative examples or the positive examples. But why, why would Jesus do that? Why does Jesus give us this parable where you, you're not supposed to be able to achieve the... You're, not, you're supposed to come out saying, I want more fruit. I want more. Why? And a lot of it comes down to just the fact that Jesus is the seed. Jesus talks about himself in the Gospel of John saying that um, in order for a seed to grow, it must fall to the ground and die. And he's talking about himself. He's talking about the thing that, he's talking about the thing that would kill you if all the pressure of the growth and if it was, be, if it was on you to grow your own plant, you'd just die and that would be it. Spiritually speaking, Jesus is eager for us to see that, that we just absolutely need his help. <laughs> that the most we can do is work on the area of receptivity, which is very little of the work that God is going to do in your life in 2014. Receptivity is just being ready for the amazing amount of huge fruitfulness God can work in your life in this next year. It's all about grace. God does all the work, which means if the Christian faith is about grace, it's about receiving and so it's about just being like this and making sure your life... See, I'm not doing any work right now, but I'm ready to receive what you might put in my hands. And so, and so you think, okay, I want to, in my life, I want to have maximum fruitfulness of an enviable degree. So think about your spiritual posture. What is it? Um, this is someone receiving God's grace. This is your life, if this is your posture, spiritually speaking. Where, what, are, what is you? Is it like this? Is it hands in your pocket? This maybe just kind of communicates a whole different attitude and posture. Is it like this? This is another posture, right? I don't mean to make you feel bad if you're sitting listening to me like this right now. <laughs> Or is it like this? Let's pray. 
God, I pray that in 2014, you may move many of us into receiving grace in a transformative way that is good for the world around us, that is good for this church. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would help make us do that. Let go of the things we're clutching, pull our hands out of our pockets or from behind us, relax our shoulders and put our hands out. For some of us, there are wounds and barriers to doing that that seem insurmountable. And so I ask that you would help us, that you would do some of the work of unclutching our hands and making us ready to receive you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.